Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Brian, welcome back to the Business Leadership Podcast, special series on the first 100 days. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about the series, why I'm super excited about it, and why anyone should be listening to us today. Yeah, so this is a research project that I am working on for Infotech Research Group. And when I was tasked with it, I thought, what a great opportunity to interview executives and learn their best practices for this critical period. Because the first 100 days of any executive's new job are so important in setting up the long-term success for their for them in their careers and for their organization. You know, it's a concept that goes back to Franklin D. Roosevelt and his first 100 days as the U.S. president following the Great Depression. And it's this sort of idea that's been transferred from judging new presidents to judging new executives in the business world. Yeah, and it's it's been really special for me, Brian. Really grateful for this opportunity to work with you because – just the conversations and getting the insights from fairly new executives, whether it's their first time as an executive or their tenured CIO and it's their sixth stint as a C-level executive, it's been so much learnings. And if you have missed, we recently interviewed Wayne Berger. He's the CEO of International Working Groups and as well as Susan Bowen, She's the CEO at Aptim, and what was special about hers was that she talks about two first 100 days within one calendar year. But Brian, talk to us about who we have today and what we're going to learn. Well, we're going to northern Toronto. We're going to take a trip up the subway, and we're interviewing two executives from Blue Cat Networks. So Blue Cat Networks, for your listeners that aren't familiar with it, this is a very technical company that makes a piece of software that manages your domain name system. So what you need to know about this is it's used by really large enterprises that have to manage a global infrastructure. But I met Andrew Wirtgen five years ago when he had just become the chief technology officer at Blue Cat. And I remember running into him at a trade show and I was able to interview him there. And when I heard that he was creating this new position for himself at Blue Cat as chief strategy officer, I was very interested to catch up with him and hear about this new role. Plus, I learned that he was going to hire somebody to replace himself. So I thought this is going to be a perfect opportunity. We'll interview them both and we'll compare and contrast how they approach their first 100 days. And for those listeners who may recognize the name of the new CTO was David Penny, who I interviewed about two years ago when he was the CTO of a fintech company called Ethica, which recently got acquired by MasterCard. And just hearing this opportunity for both Brian and I to interview them both was almost a sign. So let's hear what they had to say when they first met. Yeah, and to me, it sounds like it was love at first sight. We had uh, sold our previous company uh, that I was with not too long ago. And uh, as often happens in these situations, there's uh, 
you know, it's, it's difficult to find a role for a senior executive as a, essentially a middle manager in a very large company. And so the, I was looking around for other opportunities and uh, Blue Cat approached me. Uh, I met with Andrew. He was the first person I met with and he told me about it and we instantly clicked, Andrew and I, and we kind of knew that I wanted to work here and he knew he wanted me within literally the first minute of meeting together and it just kind of played out after that. I could just uh, instantly see Andrew's level of intelligence and his level of understanding of the business as he just started describing it to me. And I could also see he, he had a bag with him. We were at Starbucks and he had a bag and the bag had on an Air Canada million mile guy. And I said, that's why you need me, right? Because you can't be managing a team this big and be flying around that much around the world. And that's, that's it, effectively uh, the truth of the matter. Andrew was doing basically three jobs in one. And uh, so he needed to split the, those roles in order to continue being effective. Here's what Andrew had to say about Dave when he first met him. He's confident in what he does and doesn't look at me as somebody who might um, wait if some of his leaders are coming talking to me, then maybe that's going to disrupt what he's trying to do. That thought would never enter his mind because he's experienced and confident and capable. Edwin, in my research, I found that access to your predecessor in an executive role was so valuable. It's sort of like you're stepping into their shoes and they're able to tell you how they fit and how to lace them up properly. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different scenarios that you can have going into this situation, right? There can be like the worst case scenario. So maybe your predecessor was fired. They left on bad terms. There's no way you're going to be able to have a conversation with them, right? So they're not available to you. There's like the medium case scenario where the predecessor left for a new role. Uh, they're friendly with you, but they're very busy. They're focused on a new project, so they don't have a lot of time for you. And I'd say this scenario here at Blue Cat is like a best case scenario because you have an executive that has total access to his predecessor that's still with the company and in a new role. And not only that, as, as we heard, it was love at first sight, right? Here's what Dave had to say. So basically, we, we had a mind meld in that we saw very clearly um, in a united kind of way, what things we needed to address. And, and it was a lot of it was Andrew was, as I said, flying around a lot. He had three roles. Uh, he was playing the chief strategy officer role, which was out meeting customers, understanding what customers were doing, uh, jointly creating a vision for the future with the customers. He was also in charge of product management, which is the real nuts and bolts of deciding what features are going to go into the next releases of the products. And he was also managing all of the technology team at the same time. And so, uh, so as I said, he had th these three roles and uh, I took on one of them. Andrew also agreed that they were on the same page. There's some very tangible things, you know, for instance, we, we, um, the, the majority of the revenue is not driven through partnerships with other technology providers and we 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 have uh we would like to drive way more of it that way and so there's some tangible measurements of revenue and where that revenue came from uh those are the easy ones uh the the, the ones that are less less easy to measure are you know what's the tangible benefit to a business to have a plan 
to achieve a strategy, an adaptive plan to meet a strategy over time, because those are things that help over the next two to three years or four years. And meanwhile, there's all these tactical things we need to do today. It didn't take me to understand that there was a gap between what our stated strategy was and what people saw everybody doing every day. And that gap leads to everything from employee engagement issues to customer confusion. And so there was a great deal of positive feedback on, yes, we desperately need we desperately need to understand how we're going to get there. Um, so, so it really turned into a, uh, as it did when I told the rest of the employees, like there was, it turned into a lot of excitement that we, you know, you hear some great strategy of where you want to get, but then at the end of the day, everybody has a day job. And so people are plugging away at their day job. There's this thing's hanging out there. We're going to go in four or five years. It just, people need to understand how those things get connected. And then there's proof points over time. And we've created some proof points where we are now. But still, you know, we, we need to reinforce that. Yeah, so since Andrew is so available, Dave can really be clear on his mandate. And a new executive role has been created for Andrew to move into here, the chief strategy officer. Right. And Andrew can relate to with his role in relation to that. It's so crucial, Edwin, for executives to have a clear mandate from their boss and their peers. You know, even before a leader starts at a company, I'd say they should be talking to the other C-suite executives and hearing what they want their mandate to be. And then when you start with the company, go mm-hmm. and talk to the next level down of management to make sure that your alignment is ironclad. Let's hear what Andrew had to say about this. A lot of that work happens before day one, not, not in a... You know, in a respectful way, somebody's either in transition between they're still working at their old company or in their transition between the two. But but certainly at an executive level, normally you don't bring in a new executive and that person wants to show up on day one with no knowledge of, of what they're walking into. So some of that happened before, but but the handoff happened um, uh, in a um, in a uh, I mean certainly messaging, not just via email, getting the team together, getting, giving them the opportunity to meet Dave, giving the opportunity before he joined to ask me questions in a, a very transparent way of why we were doing this, and, and, uh, and, then, and then, of course, bringing us together afterwards and, and jointly meeting some of the teams together. Um, and, then, uh, and that also includes, okay, so what's Dave going to focus on when he starts, and what are the core issues? And, and I don't want to, when you bring an executive on, you certainly don't want to give them a uh, task list or a priority list, or a, you want them to to assess and determine based on their experience where they should put. So, also a bit cautious on on how much I want to influence or steer that. But with somebody who's senior, they're going to push back and should push back anyway if you're going to steer them too much. Um, and then it really transitioned quickly into a support role. Um, there's things he he couldn't possibly know being new here. And, uh, and so now it's how quickly can I get him up to speed on those things. And, uh, and really that was driven a lot by his, his questions rather than me just fire hosing where things are. But, I, you know, he has been here now for a couple months and the transition was, was pretty rapid and, and pretty smooth. He, there's going to be bumps. It's a different leader. I didn't hire my twin brother 
which I don't have a twin brother, but I didn't hire, I didn't hire me. I hired no. somebody who I thought can do the job better than me. Yeah, and here's what Dave thought his approach should be. It's the bigger things. You know, stay away from the smaller things and concentrate and try to figure out what are the bigger things that will make the most difference. Uh, so in our case, it was a, a combination of we needed, well, the strategy of the company was clear, how that connected to the tactical directions was a little bit unclear. So that gap needed to be closed. That was something that Andrew and myself and the, the product management leader, we put our heads together, very quickly achieved agreement on that and, uh, and started pushing that message out that, that this, this is some of, this is how what we're doing tactically aligns with what we're doing strategically and make a few changes in direction and focus as well to better align with, with that message. So that was one very important thing that needed doing kind of right off the bat and set the groundwork for everything else. There is one risk that occurred to me, Edwin, when we were talking to what, Andrew and Dave. That? Yeah, well, I thought that maybe if Andrew was still around, and I could imagine, right, he's been doing this job for five years, suddenly some new guy comes in, he has a whole new style of doing things, and it would be hard to not step on his toes, to feel that need to take control back. Uh, so I asked them directly about how they handled this. Let's hear what Andrew had to say about it. The conversation took about 20 seconds, and I actually asked him, how do I boy step on your toes? And he said, if you do, I'll tell you. And that was the end of it. Yeah, so Andrew was pretty matter-of-fact about it, and I guess I believed him, but I did want to double-check with Dave that that was really the case. We certainly talked about that, uh, me and Andrew and Michael, our, our CEO as well, uh, I was not concerned. I'm a very experienced executive. This is I guess the f sixth time I've done the first hundred days. So uh, I, I, I'm fairly strong-willed. I, I know what I want. I, I have a bunch of direct reports. They will do what I ask them to do at the end of the day. And any issues like that, uh, I would have worked them out with Andrew and with Michael. In fact, it never turned up. It, it turned up exactly zero times because, and partially because Andrew and I were so much on the same page as to just everything. That's so great to see how they were aligned, Brian. And the reason why I find this fascinating is the work that I've done with entrepreneurs, founders, they have a very difficult time letting go um, when they're hiring these executive roles in their company because they're so close to the solution and they're close. And, and I talk to many of them and it's when they do release themselves and allow to delegate that's when the company grows because you have folks like Dave and Andrew who are professional executives and understand their role and their clarity. Yeah. And what I think that clarity did for Dave in this situation is it made his ability to find a quick win so much more easy. And this quick win concept is that when a new executive comes into their role, they should solve some problem that's causing a sticking point with the employees. And this really helps Mark their beginning of their tenure, and it creates a lot of credibility in the eyes of their staff. It didn't take me to understand that there was a gap between what our stated strategy was and what people saw everybody doing every day. And that gap 
leads to everything from employee engagement issues to customer confusion. And so there was a great deal of positive feedback on, yes, we desperately need, we desperately need to understand how we're going to get there. Um, so, so it really turned into a, uh, as it did when I told the rest of the employees, like there was, it turned into a lot of excitement that we, you hear some great strategy of where you want to get, but then at the end of the day, everybody has a day job. And so people are plugging away at their day job. There's this thing's hanging out there. We're going to go in four or five years. It just, people need to understand how those things get connected. And then there's proof points over time. And we've created some proof points where we are now. But still, you know, we, we need to reinforce that. And I asked Dave what his quick win, what he thought it was. One example is, for instance, around uh, we have customers who have a desire uh, that we improve what we call our fleet management capabilities. So part of the integrity software is we might have, as I say, hundreds and hundreds of servers and uh, and you want to be able to treat them as a unit, you know, upgrade them all at once, monitor the progress of the upgrades, understand uh, what version of the software all of them are at, things like that. Similarly, for our edge product, we have the same problem, but it's more cloud first and container first. And we have this initiative called the uh, the SDP, the software delivery platform that's going to solve fleet management for our edge product. And that's currently under development. So there is now a tactical discussion. Well, sh- shall we use SDP to solve the problem for integrity as well? Because it's kind of similar problem or or not. And uh, there was a kind of, well, you, you may as well, because it's the same place. But then when you actually look at it, you find out that, uh, you know, it's kind of back of the bus in terms of things that need to be do need to be done to this SDP platform. And so we wouldn't address it for a couple of years, probably, given everything else we had to do first. Uh, and so it's, it's was, it was holding up our integrity team uh, that they were kind of getting in queue behind this other thing. And so that made no sense from a tactical direction. We had customers that were asking for this today. So it was more about keeping our integrity product in its swim lane. It is a, an enterprise on-premise piece of software. Some of our customers do not wish for any part of it to be in the cloud. Edge is inherently cloud-first and container-based. And uh, and so uh, disconnecting those two things, and Andrew said, yeah, no, there's no need for us to manage integrity fleet management from the cloud. We just thought, well, since we're doing it anyways, we may as well do it the same way. And then, but you get down to the next level and say, well, it's not practical. It wouldn't meet our timelines. It's not necessary to do it from a strategic point of view. Uh, so let's just solve the, the tactical problems we have on fleet management within our integrity product in the most natural way, uh, rather than in a way that is kind of a false strategy, I would say. Yeah. And in fact, Dave <laughs> said that he had several quick wins, not just one, uh, which is pretty impressive because when we interviewed him, it was only about 70 days into his tenure. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's confident and why not? It's his sixth time being a new executive. So he's used to this. And I think that what he does well in identifying these quick wins is that team assessment, which is so important to becoming a new executive. Often we see that leadership changes can come with a new team, right? And 
uh, it's the perfect and most logical time to assess what's happening with the culture, what's going on with the team, and are we the organization that's really ready to tackle the challenges ahead of us? So sometimes you see executives assess that and make some decisions about putting new management in place. Let's hear what Dave had to say about that. I would hazard to say the more the better. <laughs> Forget one. Let's do as many as we can. I, I think there have been three, I would say, pretty good ones so far. Uh, one is, yes, this need for this capacity management framework and everyone saying, yes, yes, we absolutely need that. But how do we do that? Oh, this is how we do it. Okay, let's start doing that. So we're already rolling that out and we're already seeing success based on that. Uh, another one was, uh, you know, introducing uh, some key uh, leadership in positions of leadership. I happen, I have some connections in the outside world. I was able to bring in and to plug some key holes in in management that I thought we needed to plug very quickly. So that was, uh, you know, the people who had were maybe more technically minded had gotten into management jobs that were very broadly scoped and very complex. And they're amazing on the technical side, but uh, we needed someone with more experience on the management side. So I was able to bring in someone like that very quickly. And then there are just some small wins, I'd say, around when two teams are feuding, trying to understand, well, why are they feuding? And then just getting in there and getting them to see that, no, you're, you, you both have the best interests of the company at heart. You both are trying to achieve the same thing. You're talking past each other a little bit. Uh, so fresh eyes can do that uh, much more easily than someone who's been entrenched and has years of history with perhaps that other team and is not seeing as clearly uh, that, that both sides really have the best interest of the company and just have slightly different perspectives. So there are probably three or four kind of key uh, occasions where I was able to go in and provide some value add just directly. You know, uh, mistakes are continuous, uh, and but they need to be small and and you need to correct them very quickly. So if you allow something to turn into a big mistake, you're doing something wrong. Uh, but you have to recognize that you're making micro mistakes constantly. And, uh, but you're, you're catching them and course correcting them before they can become big mistakes, essentially. So that's certainly my philosophy. So no big mistakes, anyways, countless small mistakes. You know, things like, uh, assuming something based on the knowledge I had and maybe stating something and then realizing 10 minutes later, someone says, you know, that's wrong. And, uh, oops. And so quick, uh, damage control, uh, undo what I did redo it the right way, continue on. Yeah. And Andrew was really level-headed about this. He knew that Dave would be able to make correct decisions as soon as he saw him interacting with the CEO. I like to hear people argue, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I, you know, I don't mean personally, uh, it might be vehement. Somebody might raise their voice, but I, I, by alignment for me, it's when, um, two people can have a mature argument over what we need to do and they're both listening and respect the points of view of the others and then you come out of that with a decision that's made that the parties both support you know and um, and some CEOs come up through technology we have a CEO who didn't come up through technology and and he like a lot of CEOs wants things way faster than they can 
ever be actually produced, you know? So for me, alignment there meant conversations that I would sit in and, you know, our, our CEO would ask Dave questions that normally he would ask me and Dave would answer them and I... I then watched, and I actually, like, I remember physically, like, back going back to my computer and going to check email, because what I watched was the right debate occur without, um, without uh, Dave being uh, overly cautious because his new boss, or Michael being overly facilitating because it's a new employee. I watched a mature conversation debate about a real issue, and for me, that's what I mean by alignment. Brian, these conversations with both Andrew and Dave prove so much insight for me and hopefully for all, the, all those listening out there as they see from two points of view, two perspectives within a growing organization that has a lot of success, but understanding from Andrew's point of view, he needs to break up his role in order to be more effective and grow as well. And on the flip side, seeing Andrew bring in an individual like David Penny, who is one of those, as you mentioned in a previous episode, those CIOs who come into a role, maybe stay three to five years, and are very professional, understand their role when they come into the company to change it up, make quick wins, and grow from there. Yeah, and I think it is probably pretty rare for these guys to be so aligned, so much on the same page, and you know what, that hiring process is so critical when you're talking about the executive. I mean, hiring somebody is always important, but if you make a mistake and bring the wrong person in to be the executive level, you can have cascading problems all the way down through your organization. And it sounds like Dave and Andrew are really off getting started on the right foot. So I think that should set their company up for a lot of success in the future. No, that's really great, Brian. Really excited about this series, I mean, I mean, we joke offline about this, but it really sets a precedent in terms of even the direction that my podcast is going, because I'm always talking to emerging business leaders, people, whether they're tenured executives or someone who's going into their first management role, because a lot of these key things that someone is doing at an executive level, you could do it when you're a first-time manager or you're a mid-level manager coming to a new role, a new organization, why not set that precedence within the first 100 days? we got a couple more episodes in this series. Uh, 2L mentioned that we are going into production right now. Is We had a conversation with Eric Wright. He's the CEO of LexisNexis Canada, Canadian-based software company that specializes in law solutions and also joining us will be Alan Fung. He's the new CTO at DealerFX. He was previously the CTO at growing Canadian tech companies, software companies, Fleet Complete, and Point Click Care. Brian, can you tell us where we can find more information about your research or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, absolutely. If you're interested in this topic, or maybe you're a new executive, that's wondering how to approach your first 100 days at a new company, come to www.infotech.com slash first 100. That's all lowercase, F-I-R-S-T, 100. 
And there you'll find Infotax resources in terms of all the content that's helpful for you, no matter what job you're starting, what leadership job you're starting. We're going to have a plan for you to get set for your first 100 days. And you can always inquire about the new service that I'm building right now. Amazing, Brian. And if you did miss it, well, definitely post the links to Brian's page on Infotech on the episode website. But Brian, it's been an absolute blast. I can't wait till next week. But until next time, I'll see you later. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.